we have made it to a very, very important day. One that a year ago, I didn't know if I would make it to because I didn't know how long I was going to do this. If it was just going to be a fun little silly thing I did for a couple of weeks and got off, or would I actually make it a real thing where I go on for an extended period of time with no real goal in sight, but just see how far I could take it. And tomorrow, at the, uh, back up at the time of recording, today is May 17th. Tomorrow, May 18th, you have to go back a year to our very first episode of this podcast. Throw that letter in the box for me, please, on May 18th, 2022. And tomorrow will be May 18th, 2023. That means we are at the one-year mark of this podcast. This podcast being Who's This Podcast For? I being your host, Nate Smart. Um, yeah, um, the name is important because when I started this podcast, I was like, what? is this for now obviously that's a good hitch right who's this podcast for i think it's a decent name it kind of it doesn't pigeonhole you to one topic that was kind of my thinking i could talk about any kind of thing i probably said some of this stuff on the first episode i haven't listened to that probably since i uploaded it uh, a year ago but uh be that as it may um it was a good title kind of represented what i felt going into this pod that i didn't know what it was going to be for what each episode was going to be about. There was going to be no like through line into each kind of, you know, individual thing. Like for a while we talked about sports. Then we didn't for a while. We had a little music thing that we didn't. And for a while I talked about movies. I don't really much anymore, but every week you're getting kind of what I'm into at that moment. And it changes week to week because my interests go up and down. Uh, very easily and I have things that I love and I will continue to love like movies that's probably my number one you can call it passion or whatever um, that's my number one thing but I've just been kind of disillusioned with them at least the modern stuff now but on the flip side I find myself going back further into the past right now I'm really into the 50s stuff I don't talk about it here a lot but um, but yeah I, I think as i see more and more stuff we'll talk about it more but i think that's the beauty of it there is no one thing like i started off kind of saying this was a movie podcast and it kind of is but that doesn't mean we're going to talk about them every day might go weeks without talking about a movie especially if i'm not going to see them in theaters which i haven't been that often because let's be honest a lot of stuff i'm not interested in that's coming out right now and also um you know um, I'm not really watching that many at home. I just, I haven't been able to really get to them as of late. So I haven't had much to say. I've been reading uh, books on them. I've been buying Blu-rays and Criterions. I have some more coming today, I'm sure. But I just haven't really felt, you know, able to sit down and watch a whole thing. I've watched Real Bravo recently. I've got like an hour in and I need to go pick that back up. But that was days ago. And I found myself... Uh, not returning to it yet and that's just kind of where i am these days um i just you know i'm just focused on other things right now but it doesn't mean that my love is gone it doesn't mean that we'll never talk about them again but i say all that to say like this thing started with me just wanting to talk about my interests i don't know if many of you know but i had a podcast before this 
that I do with my brother. And I, you know, I, I don't think it's dead or anything. It could return one day, but um, I started this because, you know, I just kind of wanted to do my own thing and be a bit more consistent with it and just see, could I hold it on my own and like, you know, or would I get bogged down doing it by myself? And I would tell you for the first few months, this is pretty hard trying to hold a podcast on your own every week by yourself. That's a tough thing. You, you don't realize how much a, a co-host or whatever you want to call it is important you know, until you're doing this by yourself often. And uh, what I found is maybe at the beginning, I was a bit more focused on trying to make sure um, that the things that I was interested in would also interest other people. And I got to this point now, I don't know where it switched, but it just kind of was like, just talk about and do the things you want to do. And the people that like it will listen. So I did that. Well, I started doing the, the watch alongs and the wrestling, you know, stuff and uh, just found myself much more of a much in a much more of a groove. Um, when I just kind of let let go and let my, you know, inhibitions fly just let you know whatever i was into like i said at that moment come out on the podcast so one week it was wrestling then a watch along and then maybe next week i did like a movie review or whatever uh talked about my packers now i can talk about my jets uh aaron Rodgers now a new york jet so uh best believe i'll be getting a hat soon a dad hat and i have two teams one's more important than the other right now until aaron Rodgers retires then I'll figure it all out. But as of now, we're at Jets. This is a Jets house. So, but uh, just like stuff like that, like, you know, whatever piqued my interest. Um, talked about some basketball at one point. And I've been watching a lot of basketball, but I don't really want to talk about it. Um, You know, I just don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really have that kind of like inclination to come on here and like, discuss playoff basketball like by myself or even with somebody else i just you know and, and it's very prevalent in my life i've watched a lot of it i've watched all of it but i'm just like every weekend i like you could do a, a update on the playoffs and i'm like i don't really want to that's just not in my in my purview but i say all that to say uh and <laughs> i wasn't even supposed to be like getting into the weeds on like my thought process but it's a year in and it's kind of like a ref a reflection episode it's kind of like an introspection episode it's kind of like just me kind of just rambling not gonna do a watch alone not gonna do any of that i have a few things maybe at the back end i want to touch on but um for the most part i just kind of want to talk about the process of how we got to this point because honest i tell you i didn't think i was gonna get this far like a year ago, uh, at least on the run up to a year. And it was many times I was like, man, I don't know. Like it's getting tougher and tougher to kind of get through this. And then I, there was a one period where I took like two weeks off in between each week, certain episodes, you could probably go back and hear that. And that was almost about to be like, it was about to go longer than two weeks. And I kind of had to really like snap myself out of it. Like, you're doing this because you don't want to talk every week. You need to pull yourself out of this because not only is it, it, it kind of is a test, but by that point I had started to really like this thing. 
And I was like, I can feel you pulling away. You kind of need to course correct right now because the two weeks going to turn to three and then four, and then you're not going to be doing this anymore. So I stopped doing the two weeks, got back to every week, and I found my groove, like I said. But again, this episode is not about the ups and downs of podcasting. It's about celebrating the fact that we, I say we, we've made it to a year of this podcast. Who's this podcast for? And, you know, Lord willing, we'll make it to a second. Because I'm not going anywhere, and I'm going to try to do this again and better than the last time. Because, you know, I, I think I'm much better now than I was then. I'd love to go back, and I haven't. But I'd love to go back and listen to that first episode and listen to this one. I imagine it's flowing much more smoothly. Probably not that much. I don't think I've changed that much in a year, but I imagine that I'm more comfortable. I got my feet under me a little bit. I kind of got a grasp on this thing of doing this alone. Like I said, I had a podcast for years before this, never alone. And this was a new challenge. And um, I'm happy I stuck through because I do like this. I really do like this thing we got here. Um, and it's a year. It's been one full year. Uh, what can we expect for next year? Uh, I have no idea. Because like I said, week to week, I wouldn't know what to expect in the episode. Because like I said, my interest changed so much. And it's going to be tough. Like, Because I would have like ideas planned out. Then the day it times to come, the day comes to record, and I'm like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I kind of want to vamp and go this way, right? That happens, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at can uh, 2023 stuff, um, because it's interesting. Last year when we started this, I think can had just started. And this year, obviously, it happens at the same time. Can is happening right now. And I was just on Twitter looking at uh, Can 2023 stuff. We're going to... There's not much to talk about, Can. I was going to say we're going to go over Can. It's not. It's only a few movies I'm interested in or even know what they're about. Um, and they're big movies. Marshall says he has a movie coming out of Can, Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, What's another one? Is the bike riders at Can? I'm not sure. But, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But... Um, I forgot what I was even saying, but yeah, it was just days I would come in here and, um, not even want to talk about what I was talking about because something else piqued my interest, you know, and like, a, like a, an example, we're doing a wrestling thing for a while there and then just kind of stopped because my interest in modern wrestling stopped. So I kind of didn't, or like, you know, my interest, I said my interest in a negative and positive way because I have so many problems with modern day professional wrestling in terms of what it is and how it's presented. I would dive into old wrestling as a like oasis to get away from that stuff. But now I've just been kind of off wrestling altogether for a period. So now I don't even want to watch the old stuff. Even though I could turn on the YouTube, I can get on YouTube right now and find a wrestling match from the eighties or seventies and be perfectly content with breaking it down and have a lot of fun. But I don't really want, I don't really want to right now. So that's kind of the whole thing. It's just like, uh, I don't want to talk about wrestling if I'm not watching it. I don't really want to talk about movies if I'm not watching many. Like, I'm more into reading about movies right now than actually watching them. So, you know, and and like I said, not much is out right now that I want to go see. And I'm not really watching anything, so there's nothing to talk about. But that watch-along series bring me to something more recently, 
with love just kind of came about when I was like, I really love this show. Let me go ahead and talk about the first season, which I love. And there have been problems with that as well, where I'm like, am I talking too much over it? But also, I'm not talking enough at times because I just end up watching it. And I really hope that they actually turn this on and watch it themselves because it's a lot of dead space in the same podcast. Don't have a dead space or too long a dead space. But also, I think dead spaces can be interesting because nobody else tries to do that. So I try to take advantage of, you know, trying to stand out a little bit, be a little bit different. And, you know, if you're not, if, I've also been a person where I'm like, if I don't have anything to say, I'm not having anything to say. I know it's an audio medium, but I'm not going to force it, especially during a, uh, a watch along, like we're supposed to be watching. So if you're not watching, that's kind of on you. But I get it. I'm still not supposed to just sit here for 15 minutes of dead air. And it never gets that long. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but I still try to manage it. But you know what happens? And I think um, I think it's important to be honest about these things. Uh, man, I, I, it's not like I saved all of this for now. Like we kind of do have these open-ended conversations throughout. We've had these conversations throughout all the episodes a little bit, right? Like just explaining things. Like I just think that helps. But today, I don't know. Like it's a celebration, but also it's almost like a referendum on myself. A little bit of a an analyzation, like things you could do better, things you can't, uh, things you could do better, things you're good at, uh, things you need to stop doing, things you need to add, just kind of open-ended. And uh, if there's nobody talking back and asking me questions, so I'm just kind of here with my thoughts, pondering on a year, of, a year's worth of podcasts on Apple and Spotify, like real podcasts with a title and sound effects and everything. Like I just didn't know when I started this, it would like I legitimately didn't know I would get to doing this every week, if not every other week for that little period where we went two weeks. I just didn't think it would get to this point. I almost wish I didn't do that two week thing. Cause then it'd be literally, was it 52 weeks uh, straight? So that would have been nice. Even on vacation, we went to vacation last year, going to go again this year. And uh, I put up an episode before, just so you'd have something, so I have something to drop before we left to go to uh, Gatlinburg. Like, it's, it's for real. It's serious. I'm almost kind of coming to terms with that myself. Like, wow, like, you're doing this for real. Like, is it even a joke or like a little hobby at this point? It doesn't feel like it, but that's also very exciting, you know. Oh, and I, I, one thing I can tell you is we're definitely going to try to get shirts out this in this next year of podcasting. Uh, me and Jazz are going to try to put shirts out with the logo on it. Uh, white tee, black tee, long sleeve, short sleeve. I think that'd be really cool. Hope y'all can support that if anybody's listening to this. <laughs> if I'm not just talking into the void. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's pretty much all my thoughts. Um, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for making this possible. I mean, you know, I can upload it and nobody listens and just keep doing it. But I check the the numbers and people actually do listen. You know, and that's really cool. Uh, if only just one, two, three, four, five, six, 17, 18, 13, 13 people listen, that's still an audience. That's good enough for me, you know, for 
for the time being because we only going up but you know you got to start somewhere i just appreciate that people are still listening after all this all these years that's really cool all these years that's crazy people are listening after all these months is what i meant to say like from may of last year to may now and we still have people listening to me ramble about movies or rants about silly stuff or talk about can or criterion collection or like letterbox or wrestling from 1981 or a show on netflix that i'm not sure many people even know exist you know like it's kind of crazy um but it's cool it's really cool so that's all my thoughts on that happy one year anniversary to who's this podcast for again my name is nate and i thank you for being here with me hopefully you're here in may of 2024 when we do this again uh, and by that point, hopefully you'll be listening with the shirt on and maybe some more stuff that we drop with it. Who knows? We might have more stuff coming. But uh, I just appreciate your time and, and your attention. Honestly, that's all I can ask for. All right, enough of that. Enough of the the mushy stuff. We're going to do a throwback because honestly, I don't know what else to do today. It's not going to be the longest episode because like I said, it's a reflection. We're just here, just chopping it up about how we got this far. One thing that we started with, and I remember, because always oh, I want to read you what I said in the description for my first episode, May 18th, 2022, throw that letter in the box for me, please. A little letterbox talk, a little can talk and some sports gab. Also some audio issues. Ran the full gamut for the very first episode of the pod. Hope that doesn't happen today. Human error is beautiful, I guess. Anyways, enjoy the show. The applause will be back soon enough. That was my description back on May 18, 2022, and that episode was an hour and 12 minutes. I don't know what I was doing in here talking for an hour and 12 minutes about what. Uh, but hey, we're going to go back to an old friend, Letterbox. Speaking of movies, that's kind of how we started. That's kind of what this show is in its essence. is a movie podcast that ventures off often and not into movies. So we're going to um, we'll go back to where we all started. Letterboxd. I do want to update because I don't remember what my favorite four was back then. You know, Letterboxd, you got your favorite four movies, right? Kind of tells you what this person's taste is, right? There are a lot of YouTube videos where people rate other people's Letterboxd top four. Or like comment on it. It's, pre- it's always pretty funny to see other people think about people's top four, especially when somebody trolls and they have like all the Transformer movies or something, or like a Fast and Furious movie. They'd be like, they're either trolling or they're the worst taste possible. Who knows? But um, I want to update you on mine. Some of these haven't changed. Um, some have. I'll start from four to one. This my four is the newest one. Literally put it right before I press record. And this is Raging Bull. It says I watched this August 31st, 2021. Raging Bull is by Martin Scorsese, star Robert De Niro as Jake Lamont of the Boxer came out in 1980. Another strategy I try to do on here is I tried to give a I tried to give a, a movie from each decade, but I think that's already in Ellen Boyd with two other movies. Nope. I, I, I think I did it. I think I did it. So I removed The Godfather from this spot uh, being my fourth favorite because it felt like it was a placeholder. I love The Godfather. I saw it in theater not too long ago. I think last year or the year before. It was last year. Some point last year. 
And it would have been perfectly feasible to put it in my fourth spot. And it would have made sense. But I wanted to put Raging Bull here because I wanted a different decade to represent. So 1980 came out 1980. So that's the 80s represented. And it's a Scorsese, a De Niro. I just feel like I needed that. And I do absolutely love this film. Seen it once. It was absolutely beautiful. Wish I could see it in the theater. Uh, I have the criteria. Got to mention it. 4K UHD. Um, and what is there to say about Raging Bull? If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's, I think it's clearly Scorsese's best. I haven't seen all of his stuff. But I think it's his most artistically fulfilling. Um, the story, I think, is interesting enough. I think it does everything. It captures everything he's good at. The, the kinetic, frenetic, uh, frantic pace and the editing and the tone and the black and white and the beautiful cinematography and the performances by De Niro. He never gets better than that performance ever in his career. That's his best performance. One of the best performances from a man in uh, the 20th century, I believe. Yeah, probably ever, but I'll just cap it at 20th century. Again, if you haven't seen Raging Bull, there's not much to talk about. Best boxing movie ever. And I love Ali. Uh, I love Bleed for this one, Miles Teller. You know, I'm sure there are a lot of, obviously, Rocky people love. Raging Bull is the best one. It's not even close. Then the next one I have is Chinatown. This is a movie I saw November 1st, 2022. Uh, I had tried to watch this back in earlier than 2022 when we were in Montgomery, Alabama. And I stopped it because I couldn't get into it. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the day I watched it. That happens. You watch stuff at the wrong time and then, you know, you just can't you just can't get into it that day. And I didn't return to it for years. Finally watched it. Perfect screenplay. Perfect, perfect movie, honestly. This taught me about structure in a way that I never really understood when people talk about structure. Thought three act movies were boring. I was trying to be a bit different. Like I like the nonlinear stuff. You can do less, you can do more with it instead of being constrained to these boxes. Now I love structure. I still love those movies too. Don't get me wrong. Eight and a half could have been on this list too. And it's very much, well, you'd think it's all over the place, but actually it has structure too. It's just a more loose structure, but it is planned by its own rules and defined by its own kind of parameters as well. But Chinatown is so tight and uh, so structurally sound. Like the screenplay sings, it's perfect by Robert Town and others. Uh, trust me, I've been reading that book, uh, The Big Goodbye by uh, Sam Watson. And it goes into detail how they wrote it. And uh, Robert Town gets the credit, but he's not the only one that wrote Chinatown. I'll leave it at that. Go read that book, though. I've been reading it. It's fantastic. But Chinatown is perfect with Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, John Huston, the director turned actor. He played Noah Cross, one of the great villain roles of all time. Diane Ladd, directed by Roman Polanski, obviously. Uh, and this is 1974, so now I represented what most consider the best decade of American film ever, the 70s, even though I think the 50s might have something to say about that now. Wendell said that a long time ago, because I used to listen to Scorsese, when he said the 50s was a bad decade for movies, then the 80s was the 50s part two, and now we're kind of in that part three era now. I agree with that. I agree with the 80s. Don't know if I agree with the 50s. I've done some research. 
think you might be wrong on that. But anyway, Chinatown is perfect. And that's my number three. It easily could have been number two or one. My number two, however, is The Apartment by Billy Wilder, 1960. So now the 60s are represented. That's when the industry changed, where a lot of people said, this is the beginning of the modern movie. It's 67, Bonnie and Clyde. That kind of changed the whole in- industry. They um, And the studio system were gone. Anybody can make movies now for Hollywood. You didn't need contracts anymore. Changed the whole game. Uh, but before that kind of revolution happened, about seven years earlier, The Apartment by Billy Wilder came out with Jack Lemmon starring Shirley MacLaine, uh, Fred McMurray, and uh, you talk about perfect. We're talking about the screenplay for Chinatown. This is another perfect screenplay, but Billy Wilder, I needed to represent him in this because in my top four, because I think he's the best director, writer, whatever in history. Now, obviously I have a lot to see and I've been going back and, you know, doing my research, but for my money, this, uh, is this the only one I've seen? But people stand by Ace in a Hole. People stand by Seven Year Itch. Some like it hot. I think he made Stalag Seventeen. I think he did. Um, what are the other ones? There are more. There are more. But I think I said Sunset Boulevard. How could I forget? Another classic. Um, with my guy William Holden. Um, but what is there to say about the apartment? So much fun. The dialogue is perfect. The structuring is perfect. Uh, another movie that taught me that three X structures don't have to be boring like I thought you can really put a lot into them and make them so fun and the midpoint can be fun and important and all of the screenwriting stuff that you hear about rising action tension climax beginning one two three X structure these movies that I'm talking about Chinatown and the apartment make them so much fun and endearing for me where it kind of changed my whole kind of thinking philosophy where I'm like oh wow you can get a lot out of those, and I kind of turned my nose up at them for a while there after seeing eight and a half. But now I'm like, you can do it. Uh, it only depends on the story. Eight and a half is that way because of the story, just like Chinatown, The Apartment, my number one movie here, any Godfather, any of the movies we love, they're the way they are because of the story. That's what should dictate how you tell this story not just for shock value or whatever. And that's why eight and a half works so well because it's about a man going into the deep recesses of his mind because he needs to run away, but he can't. And that's why the story feels so haphazard and all over the place because our memories and thoughts and dreams certainly are and our nightmares. But for movies like the apartment in Chinatown, the best way to tell them is with linear three act storytelling. And it works so well. The Apartment is everything I want in movies, what I wish movies were like today with the filmmaking and the acting and uh, and everything. It's just perfect. And my number one is a movie that I've grappled with before. I think in this spot I've had uh, No Country for Old Men before, which easily could have made this top four. It almost did to represent the 2000s and this century, but I had to be real myself, and I took that off. I took off Godfather, eight and a half, some of the other ones that might make my top 10 if I put it together. And I will do that soon. A top 10 all time for me. Uh, I don't know if I've done that on here or something like it, but I'm going to do it again. But my number one is hands down my favorite movie of all time, I think. And it's 12 Angry Men by Sidney Lumet in 1957. Somebody um, 
I was watching Turner Classic Movies, and it was talking about how people think 1939 is the best year for movies, 2007, 1972, 1974. Uh, a lot of movies represented as the best movies of all time, 1995 or 1990, was it 1992, 1998, 1997, stuff like that. And he said, nobody mentioned 1957. Then they were Ben Mankiewicz. And uh, he said, for his money, 1957 is the best with Bridge on the River Kwai. And this movie, obviously, 12 Angry Men, and some other ones as well. Um, Actually, now I'm, I, I, I need to look it up because... 1957 is loaded. It, it's, it's very much loaded. It says, uh, one knows the year is great when there's multiple John Ford movies and the best one ranks at number 20, 1957. So I'm looking through this list. It's on Letterboxd. Sweet Smell of Success came out this year. 310 to Yuma came out this year. Pass of Glory by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Tokyo Twilight by Ozu, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Iyashihiro Ozu A Face in a Crowd by Elliot Kazan which I now have on Criterion at least it's coming today Knights of Kabiria by my boy Fellini uh, you're missing a lot of the ones that I'm talking Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman uh, yeah he's missing a lot I'm going to go to a different list okay so 1957 uh, Picture 12 Angry Men Director Sidney Lumet, actor Andy Griffith facing a crowd. Actress Patricia Neal facing a crowd. Supporting actor Lee J. Cobb and 12 Angry Men. Supporting actress Marlene Dietrich's Witness for the Prosecution. Another Billy Water movie that I've heard about. That's great. Original screenplay facing a crowd. Adapt the screenplay, Sweet Smell of Success. Editing, 12 Angry Men. Cinematography, 12, 12 Angry Men. Production design, The Seven Seal. Costume design, Lights of Kabiria. Makeup and hairstyling, Seven Seal. Sound editing, Twelve Angry. I mean, The Bridge on the River Kwai, which we talked about by David Lean, which is a masterpiece uh, by all accounts. Sound mixing, Twelve Angry Men. Score, The Bridge on the River Kwai. Foreign language, Seven Seal. So this list has Twelve Angry Men, Facing a Crowd, Seven Seal, Sweet Smell of Success by Alexander McKendrick. His book is coming in the mail very shortly uh, on filmmaking. La Note Blanc by Lucino Visconti, who I've heard about. The Leopard is a movie I need to see from him. The Cranes Are Flying by Mikhail Kalatozov. Haven't heard of it, but it's on here. Pass of Glory by Kubrick. Canal by Andres Wajda. Another movie I have not seen. Nights of Kabiria by Fellini. The Bridge on the River Kwai, David Lean. Wild Strawberries by Igmar Bergman, which is very good. Uh, Charles Chaplin, The King in New York. Uh, don't know if this is a documentary or not. Tokyo Twilight by Ozu. Throne of Blood by Kira Kurosawa. He was still doing his thing. A Witness for the Prosecution by Billy Wilder with the great Charles Lawton, uh, who directed Night of the Hunter. He's only directing a movie, which is uh, fantastic. And Tyrone Power and Marlene Dietrich in that. So just to let you know that 1957 has a hand in being one of the best movie years of all time, too, if nobody mentions it. But let's get back on topic. 12 Angry Men, directed by Sidney Lumet, his first feature-length film coming over from TV. Uh, starring my guy, um, Henry Fonda, Jack Warden, Edward Benz, Jack Klugman, E.J. Marshall, Lee J. Cobb, John Felder, Martin Balsam, who is in Psycho, Joseph Sweeney, Ed Begley, George Voskovic, Robert Weber, and Rudy Bond. 
And Billy Nelson was the court clerk. I just want to name everybody I could. This movie shouldn't have shouldn't work as well as it does. It's set in one location in one room for 90 minutes. And I remember watching it for the first time and being like, oh, older movies can do this because I was one of those young. Look, I just attribute it to being young. You think that everything before you is old and uh, and archaic and analog and everything after you is is cutting edge and great. I watched No Country for Old Men the first time and it changed my entire view on movies and film. And it said, oh, man, this is what they could be today. This is what they were at a better time. And this is what they are when I think of cinema. 12 Angry Men is what I think of cinema. Dynamic camera movement, but not showy, but dynamic. Amazing dynamic performances by great actors. Real conflict with story. And a story that's uh, both relevant, uh, important, and long-lasting, but also fun. A fun movie. Just entertaining. And... um, you know, it doesn't overstay its welcome, but it doesn't cut itself short. It gives it just enough time to do everything it needs to do. Because I hate when people say a movie's too long. Well, I would ask you, what would you cut? If you can't tell me anything, it's nothing wrong with the length. It's either your attention span or the pacing that's the problem. But also, length and pacing can be done and can be wrong in the other way, too. Where a movie can feel half cooked because you didn't give it enough time to breathe. And you cut too much up. And now we're missing vital context and information. So it can go both ways, but you never hear many people say a movie's too short, just too long. And Roger Ebert has this great quote, if I can get to it really quickly. It's in my notes. I write down all the things I need in my notes if I have to pull them back out one day. He said, no good movie is too long. No bad movie is short enough. And I I think that's true. No good movie is too long. Meaning Seven Samurai is three and a half hours, but by all accounts, it's a masterpiece. And no bad movie is short enough. Meaning you can watch a 90-minute Judd Apatow movie and be like, this is very short, but it feels like it's three hours. And there's no shot at Judd Apatow. He made love, which I love, the the show, which we dedicated (laughs) months to. But, you know, still, using using that as an example, something can be short and feel like a slog. And something can be long and feel like a breeze. It all depends on the story and if it's good or not. And if they told it in a compelling way or not. That's all. And 12 Angry Men is, for my for my book, the best movie ever made, I think. Um, and that could change tomorrow. Again, I can feel Chinatown has a say. The Apartment, you know. Uh, Godfather, Eight and a Half, all these movies I talked about. No Country for Old Men for a long time, my favorite movie ever. Until I saw all this stuff. And so it's going to constantly be changing. But the point is, today, that's my four. Number one, 12 Angry Men. Number two is The Apartment. Number three is Chinatown. Number four is Raging Bull slash The Godfather. Because literally today I changed it. But I think Raging Bull deserves to be there. Honestly, I need to see it again. But I think it deserves to be there. And Chinatown, The Apartment could flip. 12 Angry Men, I don't think it's going to flip. But I think it's firmly my number one. But, um... Yeah, all this stuff is fluid. Like it goes in its phases and its cycles. And uh, when I talk about movies that I love and I'm genuinely curious about learning more about and seeing over and over again, that's when I kind of get my get back in my rhythm, my flow of loving movies again. I go through these slogs where I'm like, 
do I even like this stuff anymore? Because of the modern stuff is can be so bad. But even then, you can get stuff like Parasite, stuff like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, uh, The Irishman, Licorice Pizza by PTA, you know, Doom. You know, we we've got some great movies over the past few years. Um, I just don't know if any of them have captured me like that Parasite did, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did. I think 2019 was the last great like supremely great movie year because us came out that year too and i loved it also a movie that came out last year i love nope you know so we're still getting great movies i'm not one of those guys that say we don't get great movies anymore it just feels like to get to the great stuff you got to get through a lot of mediocre bad that's probably always been the case but i can only speak on the time period i've been living in it feels like now more than ever that's the case but when i talk about 12 ringing men in the apartment Chinatown, Raging Bull, it gets me excited again because, um, you know, hopefully there's somebody out there who will make movies more like that where they live on for such a long time. And if nobody else would do it, well, I guess I got to be the one. And that's exciting for me, at least. All right. um, We're almost done here. With the one year extravaganza, I'm not gonna name the the pot that either, but you know, it is an extravaganza. It's very fun. I want to look at the Can 2023 lineup real quick. Can is going on right now. If you don't know, Can is a film festival, uh, probably the biggest one in the world that happens um, in the French Riviera, I believe. Is that the area? Is Cannes? That's Italy, right? Uh, I, first of all, before I get to this list, now I need to look up where Cannes is. It's a city in France. So that makes sense, the French Riviera. Uh, it's a resort town on the French Riviera, famed for its international film festival. It's Boulevard de la Croissette. Curving along the coast is lined with sandy beaches, upmarket boutiques, and palatial hotels. It's also home to the Palais de Festivals et de Congrès, a modern building complete with red carpet. And L.A. Doyle Toilet can walk of fame. If y'all didn't know, I took French um, for many years. And once in high school, and I uh, think I got the French three in college. So I know a little bit of French. I know how it sounds. Uh, I'm not fluid at all, so don't ask me any questions. Don't ask me to say anything in french but i got a i got i got a little grasp on it but anyway so that's going on now it happens around this time every year it kind of kicks off the festival circuit which goes through now to like october maybe and this is kind of when all the big movies are supposed to come out this year uh it coincides with the summer movies so you get your blockbusters and your like you know like your morris Scorsese's and your steven spielberg all that kind of stuff they kind of coincide with each other and the kickoff point for that is can so and that i think it started yesterday or maybe monday at the time of recording and i just want to go through the lineup real quick um just to let you know and we're not gonna talk about every movie because i don't know all these either a lot of these movies you have to remember are international they come from people that aren't in america or hollywood so a lot of them i'm not even familiar with as what you would consider a movie buff but i know a few the opening night movie was Jan Duberry by May Wynn. Not sure. Closing night is Elemental by Peter Son. Not sure. So they have different sections. The section that you can win the prizes in, like the uh, 
the what's the big can prize? Why am I blanking right now? You can get um a director prize, writing prizes, acting prizes, and then two runner-up prizes, and then the big one is a palm door. And a palm door winning movie really sets it up for success in the international market of movies. Uh, some palm door winners are movies like Apocalypse Now. And um, Pulp Fiction, I think, won the Palm d'Or. Movies like that. So it's very prestigious honor. It's like the the Oscar of France. So it's very big. And the ones that can, that um, they have a chance of winning the Palm d'Or are the movies that are in competition. But then you have movies that are out of competition where they're still getting shown, but they don't really have a chance of winning any of the prizes. And the reason some get picked and some don't is for a myriad of reasons. It can be because it's from streaming or because it didn't get in in time. It's a lot of different reasons why a movie would be in competition and not. But the in competition movies are Club Zero by Jessica Hausner, The Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazer. That's interesting because he's a very uh, prominent filmmaker over here in America. Fallen Leaves by Aki Kurosaki, Four Daughters by Catherine Benhania, Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson is back in competition with another movie. Uh, after um, the French Dispatch a few years ago. Anatomy de Un Shoot, Justine Treat, Monster by Hirokazu Koreeda. He's a very unknown uh, person in the filmmaking world. Il Sol d'Avenir, Nani Moretti, La Camera, Alice Warrocker, Nate Denier, Catherine Brelay, La Passion de Dodin Buffon, Tra Ahun, About Dry Grasses, Nuri Bill Salem, May December by Todd Haynes. That's an interesting one. That's starring, um, oh gosh, what's her name? That's starring Natalie Portman and somebody else who I cannot remember, but this is one that I've been kind of looking forward to this year by um, my guy, uh, Todd Haynes. Does a lot of documentaries. He made Carol about eight years ago, but this is starring... uh, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Yeah. And it says, 20 years after the notorious tabloid romance, a married couple buckle under the pressure when a Hollywood actress meets them to do research for a film about their past. So that's that's kind of my alley. I'm kind of interested in that one. Rapito by Marco Bellocci. Firebrand by Karen Manus. The Old Oak by Ken Loach. Ken Loach still making movies. Benel et Adama. Ramata Tulesi. Perfect Days by Vim Vendors. Vim Vendors has a movie in 2023. That's crazy. Uh, Junice by Wang Bing. Black Flies by Jean-Stephanie Souver. And Liberator by Catherine Corsini. So a lot of those movies I don't know of either. But some I do. There's a few in there I'm looking forward to. So the out of competition section um, is starting with a bang and a big one. Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese. That's the biggest movie of the of the entire festival, I believe. And um, Martin Scorsese is back with a new movie in 2023. Probably the most anticipated movie of the year by people who, you know, track this kind of thing. So that's that's big that he's at Cannes. And uh, I don't know when this is showing, but Twitter will have all the updates. So next week we'll probably return with some Cannes coverage. Uh, Jean Duberry by Madwin. We touched on that. The Idol by Sam Levinson. Sam Levinson's back post-Euphoria with a movie? I thought The Idol was a like a limited series but who knows cobweb by kim ji Woon, indiana jones and a dollar destiny by james mango 
I really like Jane Mangold. I love Logan. I love 4v Ferrari. Haven't seen his other stuff, but I heard it's good. Dollar Destiny doesn't look good, and it doesn't even look like it's his fault. That's one of the movies where a director's not going to get much say. They already know what they want to do with this movie, how they want to market, and what they're trying to get across with this movie. Spielberg isn't doing it for a reason. Jane Mango might get raked over the coals for this one, even though it's not his fault. He's a good filmmaker. The movie don't look good, though. That's just my opinion. L'Abbé Pierre on V de Combat, Frédéric Tellier. Then you have other sections like Midnight Screenings, Can Premieres, Special Screenings, uh, Uncertain Regard, uh, which is a very stacked category. I mean, just by the numbers. A lot of movies in that section. And that's all the sections. So you have Uncertain Regard, or Uncertain Regard, or is it of certain regard? See, now I got to look that up. Because I'm not sure. Uncertain regard. It's a section of the Cannes Film Festival. It is run at the Cell de Bussy parallel to the competition for the Palm Door. Section was introduced in 1978 by uh, Giles Jacob. I want to know what own means, though. Own certain regard. I guess I should go to translation, huh? See, this is what you really come here for, is this. A certain glance is what it's called. Own certain regard. A certain glance. So, you know that now. Own certain regard. Special screenings. Cam premieres. Midnight screenings. Out of competition. In competition, uh, there were some other ones. Uh, I guess I already said them. And then the closing night and the opening night films. So that that's the little can talk. Um, Johnny Depp has been making some ways there. Just just being there has ruffled a lot of people wrong. But like I always say in my my private moments, I'll say here we stand with Johnny Depp, and that's all I'm saying on that. But um, anyway. That's all I got. Um, we did some letterbox talk, talked about movies, talked about can. It's kind of bringing it all the way around, uh, closing the circle on this year, kind of doing what we did in that episode a little bit. Um, again, I just want to say thank y'all for being here. Thank you for allowing me to ramble on each week and you still listening. Next week, like I say, told y'all, I don't know what we're going to do. Probably some can coverage. Might continue with the watch along. Might talk about some criterions I get and some books. Definitely probably will go over those because I got a lot of movies. Matter of fact, before we finish, I just realized I have a a Blu-ray that I didn't mention. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. I'm looking at it right now, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to put it with all the rest of the books and the criterions I got. And we're going to do a whole big thing next week. Looking at all the new movies I bought, all the books I just bought. Um, Hopefully my Jets hat, I'm going to try to get that, you know what I'm saying? Because the season will be here before you know it, and we went in the Super Bowl, baby. Uh, Aaron Rodgers going to get another Super Bowl MVP, you know? That's definitely going to happen. But, um, yeah, I'm going to save that. But I'll give you a hint. Johnny Depp's in it. After I just talked about Johnny Depp, it is ironic that he's in the movie that I'm looking at right now and want to talk about, but we'll talk about it next week, made in 1994. I'll give you a hint. The director's Tim Burton. That's all I'm going to give you. But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here for a year. We're only going to get better in this next year. Uh, 
T-shirts coming. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know when. I don't know where, but they're coming. But uh, thank you all again for allowing me to do this. And again, as always, that's all I got. One year, baby. Thank you all for listening. Peace out.